0: We are less than one week away from the start of fall camp 2019 on the University of Alabama campus. And with that time for another edition of the built by Bama online podcast, Travis Schreier, senior analyst for Bama Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to give you a breakdown, some storylines for you to track with us at BamaOnline.com for fall camp 2019. Joining me to do that. The team insider, beat reporter for BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. And you know what this means, Charlie. It means the offseason and the chance to rest and recharge at least as much as you can covering a Power 5 team, a dynasty program uh, in, in the way of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, it means it's it's really all hands on deck moving forward. Now, before we do that, though, I want Charlie Potter's most enjoyable aspect of the off season. What did you do, Charlie? What was one or two things that maybe you got to enjoy and uh, you know and, and 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 had a good time with? Yeah, I always like to try to take some kind of
1: trip in in June. And the wife and I always try to get out of town um last year we weren't able to do that because we bought a house but ever since we um you know, we were married in 2016 we've tried to take like a big week one trip in june and this year we went to to denver and to, to utah mostly utah made up the the significant bulk of our trip we have friends out in denver that you know they're gracious enough to host us after we landed and then we made our way um you know across that state and into utah drove I, I don't know the exact number, but it was well over 2,000 miles across Utah and then back to Denver. We had a great time. We went to a lot of the national parks. Um, we hiked uh, Angel's Landing uh, at Zion National Park. And if you don't know what that is, just look that up on YouTube and you'll know how stressful that was for both of us. But um, you know, just had a good time out and enjoying the, the national park in a, in a state I think a lot of people don't really think about whenever they're making vacation plans. It really. Um, it was enjoyable. A lot of the times when we make these trips, I feel like I need a vacation after the vacation because <laughs> we try to cram so much into it. But now we, we have a good time. Um, you know, it was enjoyable. But uh, next year, we've got some big plans. I think we're going to head out of the country and go to Japan and Tokyo next wow. year. So I'm really looking forward to that one.
0: Wow. Maybe a future neutral site game for Nick Saban. <laughs> I would love In that. the Alabama. Tokyo Dome, you know, can make <laughs> it happen. Maybe play USC maybe play Washington in the Tokyo Dome. you know I think you and I covered pretty much that that region out there then. if you hit if you hit Utah and Colorado, I've most recently uh, we covered the, the oldest uh, Ryer, uh, the brood, uh, took a job with the Montana standard out in Butte Montana. And so we loaded up, loaded him up and uh, made the drive with him out to, to Butte, Montana my stepfather and I. So from Tuscaloosa, we covered Tennessee. We hit Tennessee. Well, Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, into Arkansas, Missouri. Uh, then we hit, uh, gosh, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, Iowa. No, it may have been Iowa. I I don't know who knows, but then, uh, up to the, up to Wyoming, South Dakota, and then finally into Butte, Montana. So I, I think we've, uh, you know, we kind of covered it. We're kind of we're we're TripAdvisor certified, I think, at this point after this summer. But uh, as you said, whether it's with the wife, whether it's with the kids, it's just always a lot of fun to spend time with family. And I think uh, I don't know if there's many other ways you can do it better than than with that. Um, now, with that out of the way, time to get down to business as we cover some storylines for upcoming fall camp at the University of Alabama. Again, we appreciate you joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We'd also appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast, perhaps even leave a review. That would help us out a good bit. But storylines, Charlie, I guess, you know, one that we kind of had drop here in the last three or four days. And I guess you could say not all that surprising because it involved a young player who seemingly was in and out of the program or at least towing that line of moving on for the program during his first season with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it's, it's a position that coming out of the spring, even with Cameron Latou moving over to tight end, even with Terrell Lewis and Christopher Allen coming off ACL injuries with Anthony Jennings there in a Yabi Anoma, first and foremost, you felt really good about the depth situation, but now in the last three or four days, uh, you have learned, others have learned uh, on the Alabama beat that uh, Yabianoma not enrolled at the University of Alabama for the uh, second summer semester. Um, I guess I got to start with this, Charlie. If I'm an Alabama fan at this point, given the background, given the track record I have, the sample size I have with Yabianoma to this point, when it's looked on a couple of different occasions before this, that he might be on his way to returning to the Uh, dc area back home what what should my mindset be right now if i'm an alabama fan yeah i don't think it's too positive
1: just because he does have that track record he had um he entered the portal for 24 hours back in february um you know he was missing from practice before as well kind of gave gave given like a personal day or or what have you, and and now this is the latest uh, installment, of kind of the saga, where uh, you're reaching out to to Alabama. They said that he's currently not attending classes, and um, if that's the case, then he's not able to to participate in team related activities, which includes Alabama's preseason camp, which starts next Friday. So um, it's not good news. Um, I know a lot of people have made a lot about him being back in Maryland. Uh, his hometown but a lot of players right now are, are away from campus and enjoying their last week of freedom so to say um, but they don't have to report back till Thursday so there is time for Nick Saban to uh, maybe have a conversation with him see where his head at where is his head's at and things like that but um, you know just from digging a little bit there's nothing um, very concrete about it for me uh, at this moment but If you were to ask me how, if if I were an Alabama fan, how would I feel about the prospects of Yabi being there for day one of spring or uh, fall camp and maybe
0: being there for game one against Duke? uh, It's not looking too likely at this point. So let's work on the assumption that at a minimum, a Yabi Anoma isn't going to be around for fall camp. What are the dominoes that sort of start to fall? What are some of the questions that have to be asked and answered? Uh, in that stretch of practices that begin, as you said, uh, this Friday uh, there off Bryant Drive, what what's what's sort of the what's sort of the process there uh, in, in your mind at outside linebacker? I think there are a lot of questions. Um, I think you
1: feel good about Anthony Jennings, who's the veteran of that group. He's a redshirt senior. He's kind of two years removed from an ugly knee injury and. Um, that's always good for a player's psyche. I think he's going to be in a better spot and definitely in the leadership spot, but there's a lot of questions after that. What is the health of Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen? How far are they along? How close to 100% are they? I think Chris Allen um, was, was way closer to that in the spring. We saw him, um, you know, really uh, play well throughout the spring playing the A day game and they kind of, held Terrell Lewis back a little bit. They're going to need Terrell Lewis in a big way to be healthy and stay healthy. And that's just not something that's um, been the case for him throughout his Alabama career. So the health of those two guys, I think is kind of at the, the forefront of the position in terms of priorities. And then you look at the progression and development of some of the younger players, you know, a guy like Drez Parks who hasn't really gotten a lot of playing time, if at all, um, you know, where is he, is he going to be able to contribute? Um, <laughs> the age old question, it seems like, uh, that gets asked about once a week especially in the offseason is what happens with Ben Davis um, you know he's a guy that has worked at outside linebacker the most recently and um, you know if some of those guys like a Terrell Lewis or Chris Allen isn't um, close to 100% he's going to have to be a guy that, that needs to step up and then you have a couple of young players and uh, guys like uh, Kevin Harris who was on campus uh, in the spring and they have another um, you know freshman coming in and I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name yet, but King, I think it's Makuda. Yeah, I believe
0: um, that's correct. I, I was going to let you go ahead and roll <laughs> that one out there. I, I haven't looked at the pronunciation guide since uh, SEC media days,
1: but I want to say uh, that's what it was. I, I think I sent it to Hank mm-hmm. Southridge because when I was talking to him, I was like, dude, <laughs> how do you pronounce this cat's name? But uh, those guys are going to have to step up, and there's – there's depth there, but I think it, like a lot of other positions like tight end and inside linebacker, it's a lot of unproven depth. But they're going to need um, some guys that I think were expected to play large roles to, to stay healthy and to continue to fit those roles uh, this fall. Because I don't see a guy like Litu, uh moving over back to outside linebacker because he's going to be really needed at tight end.
0: Yeah, it's a double-edged sword type. of, It's a catch-22, or however you want to phrase it, any Tuscaloosa bar you want to name it after, um, in that <laughs> in that, you know, you, you, you're you going to rob Peter to pay Paul at this point if you try to go back to Kamla, too, and especially with everything you've invested in him in spring and throughout the offseason and getting him to a point with Kudrick James in the transfer portal. Um and already looking at a four-game suspension to open the season, hard to go back there and, and make that change when, you know, look, Camla too, I think could be a really solid outside linebacker, but you're still looking for a second tight end, and you need a second tight end in this offense. As much three wide receiver sets as Alabama runs, that two tight end set is still critical to what they like to do on offense so you got to have a guy to go along with miller forest also i don't think you you rob the the tight end position of latou uh to, to bring him back to defense if he's merely a depth provider and that's that's assuming a best case scenario now we can talk about a uh tornado shelter plan probably a poor analogy but in terms of you know if things go really bad at outside linebacker, if Terrell Lewis has another setback, if Christopher Allen's return from that ACL hits a snag, you've got Anthony Jennings. You mentioned Drez Parks and Kevin Harris, a couple of guys that we haven't seen much from uh, to this point, uh, could could possibly uh, change this year. Uh, But Ben Davis, and, you know, I think there's sort of this parallel that you can draw with Ben Davis to say Josh McMillan and say well look Josh McMillan's in a spot where he may very well be a base and or nickel starter at inside linebacker he's a guy that's been around we haven't seen him do a whole lot on defense but look we've seen been we've seen Josh McMillan on the football field in general though a lot more than we've seen Ben Davis right yeah i mean McMillan's a
1: guy that you know they've been in pressure situations or emergency situations they have put him on the field it seems like with outside linebacker where where they've had a lot of injuries you know ben davis is the very last resort that they haven't come to yet so uh with mcmillan he he also is a guy that he has a little bit of experience at outside linebacker um that might be an option because one of the more interesting things that nick saban said at sec media days i think he was asked about mcmillan specifically. And if any of the young players have kind of emerged to push him at that spot opposite Dylan Moses at inside linebacker. And he kind of hinted at the possibility of having a uh, you know people or a committee uh, position by committee approach for that uh, Will Linebacker spot. So if they feel good about maybe one of those younger players at inside linebacker, maybe um, a Markel Benton, a Shane Lee, an Ali Cahoe, a Jalen Moody then a guy like Josh McMillan can help out at outside linebacker. They could also, if they feel good about McMillan and a combination of those young players, they could even move Dylan Moses down to, to outside and dime situations. So they have some options, but I do think that, uh, you know, if Yabi Noma doesn't end up uh, going through preseason camp and is not on this team anymore – then it's a it's a big blow just in terms of their their options and their maybe a little bit more of a security blanket at the outside linebacker position, knowing they have some um, established step there to go four deep if everybody's healthy
0: yeah you know when when you look at uh when you look at the situation at those two linebacker spots, we often have talked about cross training between inside linebacker and outside linebacker, and when you talk about the potential candidates to do that now, I would think might be more than we've seen in quite some time, if not throughout the entirety of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama.
1: Yeah. I mean, those young guys, especially just because they're coming in and you, you kind of think, you know, where they're going to line up, but sometimes they just throw you for a loop that first day. I think, you know, guys like Shane Lee and, and Christian Harris, you expect them to be inside and, and um, you know, King and Kevin Harris, you expect them to be outside, but but you never know what's going to happen. And, and with, uh, you know, Noma's um, eligibility really up in question, and they could go a bunch of different ways. But uh, I, I do think that it wouldn't shock me to see, especially uh, early on in the days of camp when they're not really focusing on Duke uh, at the moment. It wouldn't shock me to see Dylan Moses or Josh McMillan. You'll get reps at both positions. We've seen that in the past. It's not that big of a, you know, a red flag or something surprising. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me maybe to see one of the younger players, maybe a Mark or Jalen Moody, just to get that experience and know that they can go over there and play uh, on the outside if need be. So uh, it isn't spring football. Um, the experiments are going to be, you know, few and far between. But uh, with the lack of depth now that they have at both positions, I think we could be, you know, ready to see any possibility when we get on the field later in the week.
0: Yeah, and before you freak out about what Charlie's talking about and hear him say, well, Dylan Moses might get some reps back at outside linebacker, we're talking about situational uh, basis if you see Dylan Moses on the edge. You've seen that with inside linebackers in the past for Alabama when they get into third and long and get that Dime Rabbits package on the field. You saw Rashawn Evans do it. You saw Dante Hightower do it throughout the year. So, you know, we're not talking about outright position moves for guys like Dylan Moses, who absolutely has to be that guy in the middle on uh, first and second down for sure. And even third down, you want to try to keep him there uh, as best you can. But yeah, I I agree. I think that the possibilities uh, are are numerous and and perhaps as expansive, again, as we've seen uh, in, in trying to It's not a huge problem. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a huge problem, believe it or not. If Ayabi Anoma isn't a part of this defense, it isn't a huge problem on July the 27th. Where it becomes a huge problem is maybe October the 26th, and Terrell Lewis has struggled to stay on the field again. Um, You've had another injury, perhaps, at outside linebacker, and that's what we're talking about is potentially dynamic and dominant as a Yabi Anoma could be, or could have been, depending on which way you're looking at it at this point, um, it's more so the depth and 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 also the 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 multi the, the multiples that you could have had with your scheme, right, Charlie? Because there was potential that w- people look at the outside linebacker spots and think of them as two at a time. I think there was potential, Charlie, to see Terrell Lewis Anoma and Jennings out there together in certain situations I do too yeah
1: you mentioned that Dom Rabbis position and Anthony Jennings can easily play uh, defensive end in that and um, you know that's a that's a position and maybe an area of the defense where uh, at the end of the season Alabama struggled a little bit to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks I know they would like to have done a lot more against Trevor Lawrence in the national championship game and if you have um, you know, guys like Anthony Jennings, Terrell Lewis, and Ayabi Anomo on the field together with a guy like maybe either you know, Brian Ray or Rayquan Davis. That's a formidable front. And you mix in Dylan Moses in there as well, probably at that Mac position. And you send all those guys, you're probably going to get to the quarterback uh, more often than not. So uh, that is definitely an intriguing, um, you know, position for Alabama to be in if if everybody is there, but. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Friday, we'll, we'll probably hear something Thursday at, at the Knicks kids luncheon. Uh, if Alabama doesn't announce something before, if news doesn't break before. But uh, I know that's going to make Nick Saban happy to talk about yeah. um, football and, and stuff at like that. But is as is nature of the beast. But yeah, I mean, the the possibilities that they had maybe, you know, three days ago when, we're, when we'd be talking about this um, were great just because, uh, you know, like I mentioned at the end of the season, Anthony Jennings kind of was Clinton's kryptonite at times. The, the game that he injured his knee, he was having the game of his life. So, um, I, I definitely think that was something they were looking forward to. And, and now we'll see if, if those dreams are, are crushed just in that ter- in terms of that personnel, but, um, they, they do still have options. You, you mentioned how this isn't the end of the world. Um, you will know, we'll see how some of these young guys come along, you know, Jairus Parks. I know he had a lot of, um, headlines and stuff with his recruitment but he's a top 100 player or he was when during his recruitment and I think if if a guy like Sal Sanceri can make headwind uh, with some of these young guys and get them to to catch on to the playbook and to understand what they need to do then a guy like Drez Parks if he takes that next step could be really valuable for this defense
0: you mentioned Sal Sanceri and if there's maybe a surprise in this and there probably shouldn't be any surprise at all again given the the path and the in and out nature of Ayabi Anoma during his first year. In the Alabama program, not to put any of this on Sal Sanceri, but you got the sense maybe that Sanceri was impacting Ayabi Anoma in a way that Tosh Lapoy either couldn't or you know, for whatever reason. And that's not to throw Tosh Lapoy under the boat. At some point, the player has to take ownership in his situation. Um, but with that being said, you know Sal has that reputation. Uh, of a guy that, that uh, can, can get there with kids that perhaps are in situations like a yabi a Noma, a little bit in, a little bit out. He can get them all in. Um, did, that, did from that standpoint were you a little surprised by it or, or was or is a yabi just a unique case all in, all, in, all in one situation?
1: No, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, you go back to the
0: spring and, and
1: Nick Saban, uh, I think he was asked specifically about Enoma. Sal, Sal Sincere wasn't brought up, and, and he mentioned how Sal was doing a good job with him. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to knock uh, Tosh LePoy either, but um, you, know, you, you go out on that practice field and, and you kind of see a difference in the outside linebacker position. And I think sometimes, um, you know, just in the, the time that we're out there, it's almost made for TV before and in the spring it seemed like there was a lot of constructive criticism going on uh, I guess for a lack of a better word but you know in talking with guys at, at SEC media days um, uh, I can't just off the top of my head I forgot his name but the defensive lineman from Florida that was there you know he said he talked about how uh, aggressive and, and physical South since areas at practice, but off the field, he's a completely different person. Uh, he said, he's probably the funniest, and nicest coach that he's been around. And so he wants to, you know, build those relationships with those players, but when they're on the practice field and it's time to work, um, you know, he's trying to get the best out of them. And I think that was benefiting Yabi, but you know, with some of the stuff that happens off the field, he can't control that, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I do think that Sal Sinceri, um for the most part, did a really good job with the Yabi and these young guys to try to get them where they need to be because they're going to be called upon
0: this season. Yeah, Sal coaches them up hard, but I think he loves them up all that much harder. So there you go, the situation evolving involving Yabi Anoma as we check out some storylines for the Alabama Crimson Tide heading into 2019 fall camp. Charlie Potter with me. I'm Travis Schreier of the BamaOnline.com staff. It's the Built by Bama Online podcast. Um, let me ask you this, Charlie. So another storyline for the defense uh, as we move forward uh, closer uh, to, to Friday and in the opening and, of course, fan day and media day on Saturday. Um, g- give us another storyline that you'll be particularly interested in on the defensive side of the ball later this week. Well, we kind of already covered the inside linebackers a little bit.
1: So I think for me, I'm more intrigued to see what happens with the secondary. And, and I'll start with the safety position because I think that's, um, you know, where the, the shakeup could happen. Um, you know, he was limited in the spring by sports hernia injury, but it wouldn't shock me at all to see uh, Shaheem Carter working opposite of Xavier McKinney uh, at the safety position. And then that allows Alabama to, to shift things up with the cornerbacks in the star. So you could have uh, Patrick Sertan uh, and Josh Job at cornerback with Trayvon Diggs at star. You could swap Patrick Sertan and, and Trayvon Diggs out. Uh, both of those guys can play in the slot I think that gets Josh Job on the field and Nick Saban views him as a potential starter. And at least that's what he said at SEC media days. And then you move on to a package like, like dime and you could move Xavier McKinney down to money and bring Jared Baden on, uh, as the sixth defensive back, like he was last year. And then in that situation, Alabama has its most veteran, uh, defensive backs on the field, the guys that they feel really good about the guys that you've heard a lot about just in terms of consistency and, and the guys that are, um, you're progressing well. And for me, that, that makes a lot of sense. But they have options. Um, you know, Shaheen Carter has played a lot of star, spent a lot of time in the slot uh, on that defense. And they could feel good enough about Jared Bain to play him as an every down safety. And then you just have Trayvon Diggs and, um, you know, Patrick Sertan as the corner. So I think the the combination of players they could throw out there in the in the secondary is probably one of the more intriguing Things for me, I think the same goes for the offensive line, the the options that they have there. And I'll be really interested to see how they, they line up day one in that open practice that we get to watch on Saturday.
0: Yeah, offensively, we'll get to that in just a second. I'm going to take you up front because DJ Dale, there was so much buzz about the early enrollee uh, in the spring and the impact he made in that short period of time that it seems like we've almost glossed over the fact that Quentin Williams was an absolute monster. <laughs> in 2018. So. I want to see where the big play, the negative play production is going to come from up front. Yeah, I think D.J. Dale looks like he's going to be able to do some of that as a true freshman. But I think a lot of it still resides with Raquan Davis, especially in what is a contract year for the senior defensive end. Definitely did not have those numbers a year ago after a big sophomore campaign in 2017. So I think it starts with Raquan Davis. But I'm also interested to see if LeBrian Ray is truly ready for that every down role as a defensive end. That means playing end, maybe in base and nickel, but then moving inside to join uh, perhaps Raquan Davis uh, or DJ Dale if it plays out that way, and provide that interior pass rush. We're talking so much about edge pressure because of the Anoma situation, uh, but where Alabama, you know, has been exceptional on almost an annual basis is consistently having two guys inside that are tough to deal with. Uh, That puts so much stress on opposing offensive lines and uh, protection plans because, you know, who are you going to double? And I think to start the season, it's going to be Raekwon Davis that probably sees those double teams. So between Ray, Dale, and also a third end, because, you know, that's an area where you're looking at a defensive line class with six newcomers. We saw three of them two of them being defensive ends primarily in the spring, Justin Aboigby, Antonio Alfano, um, three more coming in in the summer. Uh, the potential for the young guys to to really impact not only the nose tackle position, but from a rotational standpoint, high rotational standpoint, there at defensive end as well. Let's jump to the offensive side of the ball, Charlie, and let's start with your first storyline for the Alabama offense in the 2019 preseason. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. I mentioned the offensive line, but I think um,
1: you know what happens at the depth of the skill positions. Just because we know who the top four wide receivers are, we know who the number one tight end is going to be. We, we know the top two running backs. What happens at that number three running back spot? Who's that next tight end? And then is Alabama going to, you know, look to lean on the depth at at wide receiver? Has and maybe employ more than four receivers, go with maybe a five- or six-man rotation? So I think just who steps up there, I'm really interested to see. Uh, We've talked a lot in the offseason about uh, Trey Sanders, the former five-star running back, who's now on campus, and I think he's definitely in line to be that number three back. But can he hold off guys like, uh, you know, Jerome Ford and Shadarius Townsend? Guys that have been on campus and his fellow uh, freshman in Keelan Robinson, Alabama, likes to play those true freshmen at running back. So they're going to have options there. But I think Sanders might be the leader in the clubhouse for me uh, entering the 2019 season. And uh, we talked about the tight ends. I, I do think that two is the number two option right now. But can a guy like Major Tennyson take that next step? Can, can Michael Parker just um, spending another time in the offseason program add good weight and, and maybe contribute and get on the field this fall? Uh, The true freshman, Joel Billingsley, I think they have high hopes for him. He needs to add a little bit more weight as well, but I think he could be an option. So um, there's a lot of – Unproven depth there, but we'll see what happens. And then wide receiver, I know we've talked about this on a on a recent podcast, but guys like a Tyrell Shavers and Xavier Williams, a Slade Bolden, can they kind of crack that rotation with guys like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs the Third, Devonte Smith, and Jalen Waddle and get on the field and and produce for an offense that's probably going to put up a lot of a lot of numbers in the passing game this fall. So uh, I know a lot of attention is going to be placed on the offensive line and and the quarterback position, especially the backups. But I think uh, the depth at some of those skill positions is equally intriguing for me entering fall camp.
0: Yeah, and you you hear the chatter about, well, Alabama is going to go back to more of a ground-and-pound approach. Alabama's going to be more physical in the run game. Well, first of all, to do that, you have to have two legit dogs at the tight end position who can take care of their business at the point of attack, at the lines of scrimmage. Miller, Forrestall looks like he can be one of those guys. I thought we saw plenty of promising things from Camla too uh, in the spring game. But the 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 other side of that too is that okay? You want to go back to being more ground and pound? Well, that means you're going to be in more two tight end sets, which means you're going to take a, a receiver off the field, a wide receiver off the field. If Alabama isn't in their three wide receiver set. That means, in all likelihood, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell aren't on the field. And as you said, I think there's more of a potential to maybe want to go to four wide receivers straight up, you know, with one back and, and let it rock. So, yeah, I think Alabama needs to be more efficient in running the football. Its yards per carry average was down a half yard last season compared to the two previous seasons. Now, 2016-2017, Alabama had a quarterback that was very, very present in the run game. That had something to do with it, with Jalen Hurts behind center compared to to Otaga-Vailoa. But, um, no, I, I just don't see Steve Sarkeesian saying, yeah, you know what? We've got these guys averaging 17, 18, 19 yards per catch, but we got to get in too tights, Charlie. You know, we gotta we we gotta be more tight with our formations and and be more committed to being physical. Uh, th- 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 does that sound reasonable to you?
1: No, it doesn't. And I think whenever <laughs> you look at Alabama's track record on offense, yes, they have employed. Um, you know, a, a balanced approach and maybe sure. even a run heavy approach in the past. But Nick Saban has always said that they're going to cater their offense to the players they have. And we see coming back to this offense, a quarterback that almost won the Heisman trophy. Uh, that was the SEC offensive player of the year. And won the Maxwell and the Walter camp award, and then four receivers who are just unbelievable, the Blitnikoff award winner. And if they handed out multiple awards, they might've given, if they handed out an award for a receiving core, like they did the offensive line with the Joe Moore award, then Alabama would have won it 10 times over. So the idea that they're just going to be three yards in a cloud of dust this season doesn't make a lot of sense with the personnel that they have. Sure, um, you know, they want to get Najee Harris and Brian Robinson and maybe Trey Sanders or somebody else involved. I think they're going to try to have a balanced approach. But when you have the horses that they have, you got to let them run. And I do think, though, we will see a little bit more of the running backs get involved in the run game or the passing game. Uh, if anybody watched Nick Saban on ESPN's Car Wash, uh, they know that he wants to see Tua Tonga uh take what the defense gives him. Any question that he was asked about Tua, and they were asked in a variety of uh, different ways, and uh, the questions weren't just necessarily about what does he do this season, take that next step. Uh, he brought that up every single time. And so I think that, um, you know, checking down to his running back, mm-hmm. um, you know, just some of those short intermediate passes are going to be more involved in this, in this offense and in order to try to take care of his body to keep him safe and keep him on the field. Uh, So that's not necessarily uh, that approach, but I I do think that'll be the one tweak that we see for sure is that he's going to check down more to the running back. But yeah, uh, when it comes to just completely changing the offense from last season,
0: that makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. And you know, we talk about the, the rushing commitment and those things, but you just talked about it in the checkdown game. You get the tight ends and the backs involved in that. That's an extension of the run game. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, easy throws to the backs, easy throws to the tight ends, maybe more so in some checkdown situations for Tua. You can go ahead and attribute some of that to the run game. They're, they're essentially extended handoffs. Um, a lot of times, just like the jet sweeps are uh, on occasion that end up going for big, big plays. So, yeah, absolutely. And we're not just talking about four wide receivers coming back. And obviously, you already know about Judy and Ruggs and, and Smith and, and Mechie. I mean, uh, Waddle, excuse me. But John Mechie's joining this group now. So it's not like they're even standing pat when it comes to the potential for explosive plays in the passing game. They may be. It, taking that to another level. Now, you know, Erv Smith Jr. ended up being a big play tight end. We'll see if Miller Forstall can sort of step into that mode as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think again, the key is efficiency, running the football. You know, short yardage, goal line, and four-minute offense. When you're trying to condense games, um, get games over. You're trying to control games, as Nick Saban likes to put it. You know, that's when you really want to uh, be able to be effective running football. And Alabama last year at times uh, didn't always excel at that. But I don't think Alabama struggled to the extent um, that it seems uh, s- some others feel like uh, in the wake of that season a year ago. Um, one more storyline on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Charlie, and then we'll talk some special teams as we wrap up this edition of the built by Bama online podcast. What about it? One more that you'll be looking at. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you into this one. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, you said it earlier, how the offensive line lines up for the first time on Friday, uh, some intrigue there. I don't think so much, maybe a tackle, but perhaps the interior, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's that's a spot for me, just at those three um, positions where I think Alabama could go a variety of different ways. And um, I, I do think that when we go out there Friday, we'll probably see the same five that we grew accustomed to seeing in the spring with Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, Amelia Kior at left guard. Chris Owens at center, Matt Womack at right guard, and Jedrick Wills at right tackle. But they can go a variety of different ways. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Florida State transfer. Uh, Landon Dickerson, if he's out there for day one, I, I think he should be. I want to say when when Hank South broke that news that his plan was to arrive on campus in August, and Thursday players report that's August 1st. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think a guy like Evan Neal, uh, the true freshman uh, can play left guard and play it effectively. It's just, you know, how far along is he in grasping that playbook? And do they trust him to go out there? Um, you know, Deontay Brown can't play the first four games of the season, but he's going to be a factor eventually uh, unless one of these, or both of these guys at the guard positions play really well. And, um, you know, I think at center, you know, they can go a variety of different ways also. Um, you know, Chris Owens is kind of the incumbent starter from the spring, and I expect him to start camp. Um, yeah at the center position but in the Lake York can do that so they can maybe move him to the right and put Evan Neal on the field Uh, another true freshman and Darian Dalcourt did some good things at center uh, in the spring so there are options I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of went with a more veteran group at least the one that they had in the spring but I think those three interior spots is kind of like the secondary for me I'm I'm really intrigued to see what route Alabama goes and how much that shakes up in fall camp because they do have a lot of like options and combinations of players they can put
0: out there. I and mean, you touched on it briefly earlier, the situation at quarterback obviously behind Tuatanga Vailoa. Everything you hear is that Mac Jones is in a really good place to be the number 2 guy for the 2019 season. Uh, you still got to anticipate competition and it's going to be important for uh, multiple reasons. First and foremost, we know the injury history involving Tuatanga Vailoa after the last 15 months or so. Uh, So you definitely have to have a guy ready, uh, whether that's Mac Jones, and it certainly seems to be trending that way, uh, or someone else. But also positioning that job for the next offseason, for spring 2020, assuming Tua has a year even similar to a year ago, which was generational by Alabama, beyond generation. It was all time by Alabama standards. The expectation being that job's going to come open. So, you know, guys are going to be jockeying to sort of prepare themselves and position themselves for a a run at the starting job potentially and expectedly as early as 2020. Let's talk some special teams with you, Charlie, as we get out of here on the Built by Bama online podcast. I I guess we could do a couple of storylines here, but I think for for every Alabama fan out there, (laughs) it comes down to one aspect of that area of the game, and that's simply kicking the football. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it, Charlie? It does, but it's not been the case
1: for sure. Um, and I think it applies to both uh, field goals and, and punting, because last year, you know, after J.K. Scott uh, you'll ran out of eligibility and joined the Green Bay Packers, uh, the punting uh, wasn't very stellar either. So I, I think that what happens with Skylar DeLong and Joseph Bulavos and, and their continued development is really big for Alabama, uh, but they're both – yeah, you know, they they did some good things in the spring, and I think that uh, one of the things that helps them and maybe will push them is the presence of, of Will rockard from from Hoover, the freshman that was there in the spring that can do both of those duties. So um, I, I'm really um, interested to see you know what happens there. That's one of the positions though that outside of this open practice and what happens in the scrimmages, we're not going to hear very much because um, we don't see that in the the time that we're out there and um, it, it just it just doesn't get brought up as much so um, when we do get to watch that open practice on Saturday though you know what does Skylar DeLong look like does he look confident is he playing well how much is Will Riker actually punting and in the order of the, the place kickers and, and what they're doing is is going to be really uh, intriguing to follow this
0: fall camp and into the season I don't think there's any doubt about it and when you watch Will Riker, you saw him in the spring game this is a guy with pro pop uh, range, lift, everything you want out of a place kicker, you saw it in the A-Day game. That's one scrimmage. Uh, there is no question that he is an elite talent when it comes to place kicking. I think he is a a good option as a punter, at least right now. He may continue to develop into a two-way guy that is stellar in, in both those areas. Uh, but I think right now, assuming Skyler DeLong has gotten past whatever the issues were uh, that led to him being replaced midway through the 2018 regular season. Uh, assuming DeLong has done that successfully, uh, you, you think he's going to be that guy, but you're right. Riker is a sort of godsend. If nothing else, from a standpoint of Joseph Bulevus knows he's got to get better every day. And same is true for Skyler DeLong. As for the return game, uh, Jalen Waddle obviously, uh, cemented in there as the punt returner, and based on what we saw in the spring, and then also what we heard from Nick Saban at SEC Media Days, Charlie, I guess it would be a surprise at this point if it isn't Henry Ruggs III back there for the opening kickoff alongside, say, Brian Robinson against Duke. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, You know, Nick Saban said that it's a Possibility
1: Waddle could do some stuff on kickoffs, but I think they feel really good about Henry Ruggs back there. And, uh, you know, he mentioned that several running backs are good at it. But I think if you have a guy like Ruggs back there, it makes a lot of sense to put Brian Robinson beside him because he can almost just be that fullback on kickoff returns whenever they're kicked well enough for Alabama to be able to return them. So uh, he's a guy that's done it in the past. Najee Harris has been back there in the past. I know Josh Jacobs did it last year. So they feel good about putting a running back back there. And, uh, you know, for for me, that's that's one of the, the better things to watch in those open practices, just see how many guys they they let out there and have opportunities to field kickoffs and punts and to see what they do. And, uh, you know, it's it's no question that Jalen Waddle is going to be the guy at, at punt returner. But I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of competition Henry Ruggs has at kickoff, a guy like maybe Trayvon Diggs, who's done it in the past. Uh, But I I think that um, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Ruggs and maybe Brian Robinson back there
0: on game one against Duke. It's amazing because you go back 15, 20 years, there were a lot of situations where teams would put walk-ons back deep to return punts and to return kickoffs. But Alabama, uh, with this wealth of skill talent, able to put four- and five-stars potential first-round picks and future NFL draft, if, if if nothing else, certainly guys with NFL careers in front of them. And I think they should. You know, there's a lot of talk about risk versus reward as far as injuries on kickoff and punt returns. But, you know, the opportunities uh, to make big plays in the kicking game are dwindling as it is as a result of player safety and, and uh, the rule changes that have, have come about with that, and understandably so. Uh, But when you do get a chance, an extra opportunity to get the ball in the hands of guys like that in the kicking game, you absolutely need to do it. Now, Charlie, as we wrap up here, wanted you to sort of explain, and I will as well, what BOL subscribers can expect from us uh, as as, uh, fall camp gets underway on Friday and we move throughout the month of August right up until that season opener against the Duke Blue Devils on August 31st. Yeah, on Friday, um,
1: it's a little different this year. Nick Saban usually speaks to reporters after that first practice, but he's going to talk Thursday at his Nick's Kids Luncheon at Bryant-Denny, and then he'll talk to kick off media day slash fan day on Saturday. So just Friday, the first day of fall camp, is going to be practice. And I know uh, you and I and and Dino McMillan, our photographer, uh, Kirk McNair will be out there to to observe practice, and I'll have a practice report up and – you'll have uh, your video and be doing Facebook live reactions. So plenty of, of talk there. And then, you know, Saturday's a busy, busy day. Um, you know, we'll have media day with, with coach Sabin, with Pete Golding and Steve Sarkeesian. So I really want to tune into that. We have to race over to Bryant Denny uh, coming from the Mal Moore facility to do player interviews on the field, I think at 11:10, and they're going to have, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 to 18 players out there and about a 10 minute window to, to talk to them before a team picture and uh, we'll get to watch practice so that's always a good one and then it kind of goes into a normal schedule after that they'll have the day off Sunday and they'll practice uh, every day uh, of the week and then have um, a, a scrimmage on that Saturday August 10th followed by an off day the same thing the following week and then uh, another week of practice leading up to Saturday August 24th before game week and then we're there. The off season's over, and we'll be talking about Duke and, and David Cutcliffe and, and all that stuff leading up to that. So um, you'll just get ready for a lot of practice reports, practice observations, videos, photos. Um, when it comes to press conferences and interviews, we'll have videos, reactions, quotes, stories, you name it up at BOL from that. Pretty quiet
0: offseason, of course. <laughs> up until the end. <laughs> until these last three or four <laughs> days. But the other side of that, add some intrigue to the start of 2019 fall camp at the University of Alabama. Charlie, look forward to it. Thanks again, my man. All right, man. Thanks for having me, and we'll see you next week. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. For BamaOnline.com, we certainly appreciate your support of the website. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe the deal is still out there. I think it is. The buy buy one month, get two free. Now is the time to take advantage of that great special at BamaOnline.com. Keep it locked to BOL for continuing coverage of everything Crimson Tide related. We'll talk to you again real soon.